0: You're listening to a recent sermon from a Covenant Church worship experience. For more information, you can find us online at covenantchurch.us. Don't all religions believe pretty much the same thing? This message is from part four of our series Synonym, where we are discussing the similarities and the differences between Catholicism, Mormonism, Islam, and naturalistic relativism. And now here is our lead pastor, Pastor Travis Davenport.
1: We're going to be talking about Mormonism today, Church of the Latter Day Saints, um, and I'm excited about it. But I want to offer up just a quick, a uh, quick thing before we start. Listen, we we definitely are not here to throw anybody under the bus to, to make fun of, um, no matter how different their views or opinions are. Rather, this series was engineered for the purpose of. kind of highlighting the fact that we don't believe the same things as everybody else, right? Or that everybody else doesn't believe. the, The very fact that not everybody believes the same thing. And that's really, at the end of the day, the question that we're asking. Do we all believe the same thing? The statement, we all believe pretty much the same thing, right? Is the question that we're going off of. And so, today we're talking about Mormonism now, I've had I don't know if you you're like me um, I've had a lot of conversations with Mormons most of them on my front doorstep right and uh, so they're on mission they're they're knocking on doors they're they're meeting people they're kind of mixing it up they're trying to get in your house and have a conversation with you good for them and uh, so I love having conversations um, with with Mormons invite them in and share and usually they're the ones who ask to be excused um, not because of any odor or, or my children, although maybe that is it now thinking about it, but um, no, just, just talking about theology because I, I do not think that we believe the same things. Maybe you'll come to that same point today. So let's begin, and I'm going to begin actually with a word of prayer. So if you would, just bow your heads, close your eyes. Let's get centered and focused on Christ today. Lord, uh, we gather here today in your name, in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, the Son of God. Uh, the center, the foundation of Christianity, the gospel, the Lord. Uh, we believe in you, Father. Uh, we believe that you are the only God, the one true God, that there is none beside you, above you, uh, but that, that, that you rule and reign supreme and omnipotence and omniscience. You are supreme totally, Lord. And we give you that honor. We give you that glory. May our lives uh, reflect the honor, reflect the glory. And may we strive to be more like Jesus Christ. May we be filled with the Holy Spirit. And may our churches be filled with the Holy Spirit as well. May you fill our church today with your presence, Lord. Uh, Even as we talk today from a different perspective, I I pray that you are here, that you are glorified, and that you are honored. We lift you up in Jesus' name. We all said? Amen. Amen. All right, so today, like I said, we are examining the difference, if we can get there, between... uh, between Christianity and Mormonism. Now, right off the top, you gotta understand that uh, I'm trying not to do a disservice to the Mormon community, Latter-day Saints community, because they would call themselves Christian. But by way of presenting um, today, I'm going to refer to them as Mormons, and us uh, evangelicals as Christians, okay? Um, So that's not to be degrading to our Mormon friends, that's just by way of being clear. Um, You like that picture of Jesus? I dug that up. Uh, He gave it to me a long time ago. All right. um, This is Jesus. This is uh, Joseph Smith. And let's kind of check out the basic structural um, stuff here of what they believe. And we've been kind of messing up. So we're going to do this and then come back and then we're going to see it. There we go. All right. Basics. When it was founded. Don't read ahead now. Come on. When it was founded. 30 A.D. Christianity founded in 30 A.D. Mormonism founded in 1830. Founder's name of Christianity, shocking maybe to you, but it's Jesus Christ. Founder of Mormonism, Joseph Smith. Who is God? Now, this is where it gets interesting, right? Because if you are to have a conversation with a Mormon, with a Latter-day Saint, they would say, I am a Christian. We believe the same things. What do, we believe the same? what do we believe the same things about? We believe the same things about God, about Jesus, about Scripture, about eternity, and about salvation. And you might say, that's impossible. Well, here's how they define it. Who is God? Well, to us, as a Christian, He's creator, sustainer, omnipotent, all-powerful, the I am. Who is God to a Mormon? Creator, sustainer, omnipotent, I am. What about Jesus? The view of Jesus. Jesus was crucified. He rose again. He's the Messiah. He's the Son of God. He's the Savior. All the same things. we do believe the same things. Believe in Scripture. Well, Scripture is the inspired Word of God. Mormon is the same. What about view of eternity? Eternity spent in heaven or eternity spent in hell. And I would even go into greater detail. If you accept Jesus Christ, that's the only way to heaven. That's the way to heaven, rather. In a Christian's worldview and in a Mormon's worldview. So it looks like our basics are pretty much the same. Salvation comes through faith in Jesus Christ. Huh. So maybe we really do, at the end of the day, believe the same things. But just to be sure... Let's take just a little bit extra look. Let, let's, let's delve in just a little bit deeper and kind of go in here um, topic by topic. Is that all right? Yeah? Okay, good. Here we go. Belief in Scripture. Otherwise, this is going to be a really short message. <laughs> all right. Belief in Scripture. All right. Let's see. If we believe the same things. I mean, if, if we believe in the inspired word, it should be the same. Most of our scriptural writings have come through apostles and prophets. Through apostles and prophets, God has given his children sacred writings called scriptures. Cool. The scriptures can help you know God. Yes, his love for you. Yes, his teachings. Yes. To the Christian world, the most well known collection of scriptures is the Holy Bible. Correct. Yes, God's inspired word. In addition to the Bible, uh, pause. That's right there where we start to now see a difference. Where we would hold to do you remember the terminology? Sola Scriptura, scripture alone. Sola Scriptura. They would say, now, in addition to the Bible, now, now, just, just for point of, um, I don't know, just, just, you know, showing true light here. Uh, if you tell me, like, I believe what you believe, but also in addition to that, this. That would be the same thing as you saying, um, yes, you can buy this car for me, from me. It costs $5,000. Really, only $5,000 for that car? Yes. But in addition, it costs you another 15000 So it doesn't really cost. Yes, it does. It costs $5,000. But in addition, it also costs $15,000. So the total cost is $20,000. Exactly. Okay, so just say that. Um, It doesn't actually cost that. In fact, you don't believe that Scripture is God's only inspired word. You say, in addition to the Bible, Latter-day Saints accept the following, not just book, but books as Scripture. As on the same level, okay, same level with the Bible, the Book of Mormon. The Book of Mormon is another testament of Jesus, a record of God's dealings with the inhabitants of ancient America. And just so you understand what that means, after Jesus is crucified and resurrected, he shows up in America, um, in the Book of Mormon, to to Native Americans, and he shows himself to be God. He he shows himself to be Jesus, rather. I'm sorry, and he shows him the nail prints in his hand, and he does some miracles. He calls twelve Indian uh, disciples. And he lays his hands on them, and he sends them out to preach the gospel. A lot of other thing hap- a lot of other interesting things happen as well. Um, yeah, Doctrine of Covenants. It's another book, a collection of revelations and inspired declarations given for the establishment and regulation of the Church of Jesus Christ in the last days. And the Pearl of Great Price, a selection of revelations, translations, and writings of Joseph Smith. In addition to this, Joseph Smith also went and edited scripture. Not because he believed he was editing God's inspired word, but he believed that man had messed up scripture through time. And so, in addition to having these three books, he also went back and put his own editing style uh, throughout the Bible. And so, everything he said would would fit together correctly. Okay? Okay. Um, so we might see that a little bit differently. And you say, well, what gives him the authority to do this? Who, who's this Joseph Smith guy? Like, why does he just think he can just go edit the Bible? Well, um, these are some pictures. Now, mind you, these aren't um, actual pictures, okay? These aren't literal, pho- you know, this isn't photography, just so you know. Um, but these are. this is taken from a coloring book from the LDS Church. Um, Latter-day Saint Mormon, same thing, LDS Church. And this is, this is just like a Sunday school a uh, coloring book that they would have okay and and basically telling the story of Joseph Smith when Joseph Smith was 14 he he wanted to in earnest know what church he should attend so uh, he went into the woods and prayed and he asked God to give him wisdom and he said he had an encounter with Jesus Christ and Heavenly Father um, just so you know to get the terminology correct uh, Heavenly Father is God to them okay now we would say the Heavenly Father, they say Heavenly Father, and you'll see by the end of this talk why that difference in there, why that difference isn't there, rather. But either way, Joseph Smith um, saw Jesus and Heavenly Father, had a conversation with them. They told him, Go back into town, don't join, don't, don't join any church. All churches are wrong right now. Um, me being God, I pulled out all the real churches from the world after the apostles died. But now, because of you, I'm going to institute the real church back into earth. Okay, He says, I have a mission for you, but it's not for you yet. You're 14. Come back in a couple years. And so he does when he's 17. We'll talk about that in a minute. Um, but just for so you know, this, this puts Joseph Smith into an elite category of one human being on earth. What category is that? People who have seen God not Jesus. I'm not talking about Jesus. I'm not talking about angels. I'm talking about people who have seen God's face, literally, in this way. People have had maybe a vision, maybe a dream. Um, we read that in John. We read that with James. We read that with different people that they have different visions and dreams. We're talking about literally God coming to you, standing in front of you. Um, this puts him in a category all on his own, not even Moses. Remember Moses having a conversation with God, right? And, and God says, I want to see your face. I want to be here. I want to, and God's like, you can't see my face. You'll die. No one can see my face. So what does he do? God's, it says, scripture says that God takes Moses and hides him in the cleft of a rock and allows God allows Moses to see where God had been, not even his physical being, but where he had last walked. And that was enough. Scripture says to turn Moses's face white for a long time comes down looking like a light bulb coming down the mountain, right? People are like, have you spent time with God? He's like, yes, I have. We, your face is glowing, right? And yet, Joseph Smith, just by way of mentioning, not only saw God face to face, very close, I would add, if this coloring book is correct. Um, <laughs> oh, man, sorry. Um, but also, no face glowing, no anything like that. Um, Let's see, what else? When he's 17, he has another conversation, this time with with an angel named Moroni. Um, Too much to even get into of who Moroni is, but just understand he's an angel from an ancient time who comes back to give um, Joseph Smith the truth. Not only does he give him the truth, he tells him about these uh, golden tablets that he had buried in the side of a mountain thousands of years ago. This is the New Testament. This is not the New Testament as we know, but the newer New Testament. This is the new witness. This is the Book of Mormon, which Joseph Smith is to translate. So he instructs him, go get a stick, uh, because the things under a rock in the woods in a hill. So Joseph Smith goes to get a stick. He runs over to a rock and he you know pulls up the rock, and under this rock are these golden tablets which have been buried there for thousands of years. He returns to this spot over and over until he's given a couple instruments, heavenly instruments, the unum um, and the, um, the 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 Theenum, and both of those are, are instruments. Or the, I'm sorry, the themimim. That's what it is. Sorry, got my heavenly instruments mixed up. Those are instruments with which he is allowed to translate um, the the golden tablets. Um, if you or I were to see them, they would make no sense because, well, we don't have these heavenly objects of um, value, right? But he had them. Um, now, he did make the angel mad for a while, and he took them away. But then he repented, and he gave them back. And, and then it says, you know... The story of Joseph Smith says he got really busy, and so he like couldn't, you know, uh, he couldn't go through and interpret all of it because there's just a lot of work, and he had different people help him. But it was just, you know, life was hard. and He had a bunch of kids, and I understand that. And uh, and so, but eventually, it got translated, the Book of Mormon, and we see other things as well. But we see him being visited. Also, Joseph Smith claims to be have been visited as well with other people um, by not only Jesus, not only God. But also, as I said, this angel right here, Moroni, but also John the Baptist, um, uh, John, the brother of Jesus, uh, Abraham, Moses, Elijah, Elisha, and Elijah. um, All of them laid hands on him and said that he was a prophet. So he had a very eventful life. Um, Being a prophet is very important in Latter-day Saints. They speak special truth, revelation, special revelation. Their words can become scripture to you. Into uh, their church, and they have a they have a current um, prophet now. They have one. They call him the living prophet. And when he speaks, when he says what I'm going to say is is you know is infallible. It is indeed just like the pope for the Catholics. It is infallible God's word. And but the difference is theirs becomes scripture literally. And now the last time anything uh, any prophet spoke infallible truth was back in I believe 1978 when that leader had affirmed that. Um, black individuals, black males, could actually become priests. Up until that point, um, that was not a that was not a possibility. But in 1978, um, God changed his mind. All right, next. Our belief in Scripture. All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Second Timothy chapter three. Uh, just, yeah. All Scripture is breathed out by God, and profitable for teaching, for proof, of correction, training in righteousness, that the man of God may be what's this word? Complete. Complete. We literally believe that nothing else is needed to add to the Bible. Nothing. Nothing else. Sola Scriptura. Um, like I said before, a couple weeks ago, the idea is if you were on a deserted island um, and a Bible washed up on shore and a volleyball, you know what I mean, and a couple other you know small things. Um, I don't know. You would literally be able to know God. You don't need anything else to know Christ. You don't need anything else to know God. You don't need anything else to, to have the Holy Spirit live inside of you, take up residence in you. Um, scripture contains it all, sola scriptura. And I would also provide this as, a, as for any of our Mormon friends that are listening in. I know I have a couple that are listening um, on our podcast. I want to um, mention this verse, Revelation chapter 22. May it may serve as a warning. Um, scripture says this, I warn everyone I warn everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book, if anyone adds to them, God will add to him the plagues described in this book. And if anyone takes away from the words of this book, of this prophecy, this is strong now. God will take away his share in the tree of life, in the holy city. What's that? Heaven. Which are described in this book. Um, by way of mentioning, Latter-day Saints add and also subtract from God's word. Do we, believe in, do we believe the same things about Scripture? Uh, we'll see. Who is God? Uh, we would agree, right here. God, the beginning and the end, the Heavenly Father. There is only one God, the Creator. So on the surface, when you have a conversation, so we believe the same thing about God. Same thing, same exact thing. He's God. He's Heavenly Father. Okay, well, to us, to as, as Christians, um, once again, the same old verse in Exodus chapter 3. says, Then Moses said to God... I come to the people of Israel and say to them, the God of our fathers, God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, what is his name? Then what shall, shall I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, say this to the people of Israel. I am has sent me to you. Now, we talked about this before. but The general understanding of the theological understanding of this is when God says, I am. He's making an emphatic statement. You are what? I am. Okay, you're what? I am. I am everything. (laughs) I am omnipotent. I am omniscient. I am before time. I am before anything. In fact, I am the father of time. I created. I am the father of fathers. I created fathers. I created everything. I am. You understand that? Yeah, that's a big point. I am sinless because I am God. God is so sinless that he can't have sin in his presence, which is the whole purpose for the blood of Jesus Christ to save us from our own sins. Next. We also affirm and believe in the Trinity. The Trinity states that God, the Godhead, God, is three persons in one, making up God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. They eternally exist as three distinct people, like we just mentioned. God is one in essence, and three in person. The Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit are distinct persons. Each person is fully God. There is only one God. A difficult theological truth to understand for sure, but one that is seen clearly throughout all of Scripture to be sure. Now understand that this is important for you to keep in mind. God did not create Jesus. Why? Because Jesus is who? God. God did not create himself. You want to hurt your head? Think about that. Okay? Okay. <laughs> God has always been. You want to even more? Hurt your head? Think about that. God has always been. He will always be. He was never created. He's always been. But definitely God did not create Jesus, and God did not create the Holy Spirit. They're both equally God. All right. I just want to give a quick disclaimer here. Um, Here we go. All right. Who is God? Pulled from Doctrine and Covenant 14.7, this is not going to be found in your own Bible. This is going to be found in the Mormon literature. It says, And if you keep my commandments and endure to the end, you, will have, you shall have eternal life, which gift is the greatest of all the gifts of God. Now, you might read that and say, What does that have to do with God? It has a lot to do with God in terms of this. Endure to the end, eternal life, greatest of all the gifts. Okay? I want to show you what those things mean when you talk to a Mormon. I want to show you what they believe doctrinally as the Church of Latter-day Saints, and I want you to understand exactly who God is to them. First, who is God? Well, according to Brigham Young, who is a prophet, maybe you've heard of his college, he says this, when our father Adam came into the Garden of Eden, he came into it with a celestial body and brought Eve, one of his wives. Did Did you catch that? Okay. He helped to make and organize this world. He is Michael, the archangel, The Ancient of Days, about whom holy men have written and spoken. He is our Father and our, what's that word? God. And the only God with whom we have to do. Every man upon the earth, professing Christian or non-professing, must hear it and will know it sooner or later. When the Virgin Mary conceived the child Jesus, the Father had begotten Him in His own likeness. He was not begotten by the Holy Ghost. And who is the Father? He is the first of the human family. So in this understanding, Adam is God. You might say, well, that doesn't really... Uh, what? Right? You're kind of like, I don't really... I thought God, like, bent down and now... Yeah, yeah. well, Adam is God. Um, let me show you how this works. And you might have thought that was confusing, but just hold on. Here we go. So to illustrate this... Sorry, I'm not the best artist. Um... <laughs> That's supposed to be a dude, okay? Sorry. (laughs) That's a guy. So this is, for for our purposes today, this is Heavenly Father. Now we're speaking from a Mormon perspective. That's Heavenly Father, okay? And this is, to his left, is Heavenly Mother. To her left is another Heavenly Mother. And then to the right is another Heavenly Mother. So um, Heavenly Father has Heavenly Mother. okay? So... He has multiple wives, which makes sense though, because he um, has to take care of all these kids, okay? Um, To a Mormon, they would believe that. Now, now catch this, okay? To a Mormon, uh, Latter day Saints, they would believe that um, pre Earth, okay? Um, Pre being born. So, everybody who's ever going to be born to the planet Earth has already been born in heaven. All of history, all of time. That's a lot of people. Now, they're spirit people okay so they're born in the spirit but they're conceived in the same way that um that we conceive here on earth made in the same way that's why heavenly father must have multiple potentially multiple wives because you know it's a lot to give birth to a couple billion people okay just saying that would be like hey let's get married really what can you promise me you will give birth to billions of kids Okay, I don't know if I'm ready for that, you know. I don't know if I'm ready for that yet. Either way, let's move on. Uh, So here's all the kids, and this is us. We're all brothers and sisters. And when you believe in Heavenly Father, when you acknowledge Heavenly Father as being Heavenly Father, that is considered a good work. And when you have a good work, you are then granted a body, and you are sent to earth. So all of you, congratulations. uh, Pre-earth existence in your spirit form, After you were birthed by Heavenly Father and Heavenly Mother, you acknowledge Heavenly Father as God. And because of that, He lets you enter with a physical body into earth. So understand, you are not born with original sin. You know how I talk about my babies and my kids, like they're dirty, rotten sinners, okay? They are. They're just, they're awful. they, they, They poop intentionally when I'm not looking. You know what I'm saying? Like, Changing diapers, like in between. You're like, you did that on purpose. You know what I'm saying? That's sin to me, okay? Uh, We would say that all children, that everybody is born with a sinful nature, with a fault, with a crack, because sin entered into humanity. We're depraved completely void of God, right? They would say the opposite. A Mormon would say, no, 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 there's no... Children aren't born with original sin. In fact, the opposite. They're born blessed. They enter into this world having done a good work by acknowledging God the Father. That's why they enter in. Now, here we go. Hold on. So then all these kids um, come into earth, and you live, and then you die. Kind of the same basic principle about life, okay? You live for a while, then you die. During that time, uh, if you, understanding who God is, okay... If you do a certain number of things, which we're going to talk about, you as a man, sorry women, this isn't for you, um, just for men, um, you as a man can have what they call being exalted happen to you. Okay? When you are exalted as a man, you become God. Now, I don't mean like you become God-like or you go back to heaven, you're like, hey, I'm the new God. Nope, you are given your own planet, your own solar system, Your own universe, your own kind of like dimension. You are God, and guess who gets to populate that? Your wife. That's why you need to have more than one of them, because you're going to birth a couple million kids, a couple billion probably by the end of the age, right? Um, So you then become God, and this then explains how they bring him young would say that Adam was God, because God pre-exaltation was just a man who sinned, who is flesh who was bone. But then God was exalted to become Heavenly Father. And the term Heavenly Father really literally means Heavenly Father. He's the dude that, gave, <laughs> that made you in heaven. He's your real dad. It's not just an, a term of endearment, like, oh, Heavenly Father, you know, you watch him. No, Heavenly Father, as in like, Dad, you made me, you created me. The same way that I helped create my kids, right? You did that in heaven with Heavenly Mother. Now, the only way that you as wives can get to this state, can get to the celestial level of, of godhood, I guess, is to be married to uh, Heavenly Father. Okay? makes sense? Yep. So then uh, the question remains, like, well, then how many, like, how many gods are there? Well, there's an infinite amount of gods. Just like there's an infinite amount of planets. Just like there's an infinite amount of galaxies, right? So our God for our universe is Adam. Now, they might not say that still to this day. I don't know. Um, But we would say that he is at least Heavenly Father. But just like we have Heavenly Father in our concept and understanding of Heavenly Father, in another dimension, in another place, in another galaxy, there's also another planet just like ours filled with people just like us with a Heavenly Father just like that, with Heavenly Mothers and Children. And just like that, there's thousands, if not millions, if not billions. Because creation and this model has always been, they would say. This isn't something, like, think about this. This is a system that always had to be. No one God could have just created this and then made it and stepped back. He would have been the first God. There is no first God. You understand that? There's no first God. This is just how everything has always worked. Okay, next. Ooh, uh, yeah. Who is Jesus? Let's check out who we think Jesus is. Well, let's actually just look at the Bible. We'll let that tell us. John 14. Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would also have known my Father. Why if they would have known him, would they have known the Father? Because he is God. Not only is he God, he is the only way to God. He's the only truth. And he's the only life. Next. John 1, this is an interesting passage, it says, in the beginning was the Word. Pause, who's the Word? Jesus. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made, oh, what? Through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. Interestingly enough, we see um, in the beginning that the Word, being Jesus, was with God, and, and that Jesus was God. This would have been a great place in Scripture for it to reveal to us that God created Jesus. Which it would have. Wouldn't you think that would be a pretty big piece of our theology? If God made Jesus. Don't you think if Jesus considers himself to be the truth, one of the fundamental truths is that he would have told everybody, hey, I was created by God. But he never says that. What Jesus says is, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. I and the Father are one. I'm the only way to God. Why? I'm God, right? I'm the truth. I'm the way. I'm the life. God didn't look inside of himself and say, I feel like I'm really missing something. I'm going to create Jesus Christ, my son. No, he's always been there because he is God. And just to kind of rub it in a little bit deeper, here's this. Jesus has always been God. Since the Bible teaches that Jesus is God and God is eternal, then why have, Then, by way of logical deduction, Jesus must have always been God. Just say it one more time. Since the Bible teaches that Jesus is God and God is eternal, then Jesus must have always been God. I'm sure we hold the same view with Mormons. Jesus is our spiritual brother. Jesus was... Heavenly Father's son on earth before, before Heavenly Father, I will add, Heavenly Father was killed and then exalted. Jesus was created by Heavenly Father in heaven, the same way that you and I were created, through Heavenly Mother, mothers. We're not to have a personal relationship with Jesus. Also, I'll get to that in a minute. Um, let's just break these down. Jesus is our spiritual brother. Yeah, so just like you're my spiritual brother, Um, we're all all spiritual brothers and sisters. You understand that? We're all brothers and sisters. Like, I'm a spiritual brother with Michael Jordan, right? You're a spiritual sister with Anne Frank and Beyonce. Like, literally. One and the same. Any single person who has ever been born on this earth is your spiritual brother or sister. You're related to everybody, which is kind of awesome. But then when you think about it, a little creepy with the implications, okay? Just saying. (laughs) You're related to everybody. They're all your spiritual brothers. And just like they're your spiritual brother, so is Jesus. Jesus is our brother. Quite literally. Jesus was Heavenly Father's son on Earth before Heavenly Father was exalted. So, yeah, there's that. Jesus was created by Heavenly Father in heaven. Same way, like I said, we were. So God, in their view, Heavenly Father rather, created Jesus. But you got to understand that, okay? He's not God. He's created by Jesus. That's why you're not to have a personal relationship with Jesus. Like, understand, Jesus died for you. Jesus rose again for you. It's only by the grace of Jesus Christ that you're saved. But, you know, you need to accept him as your Savior. But don't you dare have a personal relationship to Jesus. He's not God. He can only save you. He might be the way to God, but he is not God. That is only found with God, with Heavenly Father. Okay, understand? We, this is not my view. This is from a, a Mormon view. And also, there's one other interesting fact about Jesus from the Church of Latter-day Saints. Remember this guy, Heavenly Father and Heavenly Mother? All right. And uh, here's, the, here's the pack of kids. Uh, guess who, like I said, one of our brothers is? That's right. It's Jesus. <laughs> I tried to draw him, but that's the best picture I could find. Okay, sorry. Um, But guess what? That's not not the only brother we have in common. Guess who else is our brother? (laughs) Lucifer. Satan is our brother. And not only your brother, but Jesus' brother. Now, the interesting thing about Lucifer, the interesting thing about Satan, is that pre-earth, you see the earth there on the right, so pre-earth, while we're all still spirit babies, okay, we haven't been we haven't acknowledged god as heavenly father yet jesus did something amazing did some type of work where above all other spirit children he outdid all of us okay in pre-earth and he you know he really went for it and really showed that heavenly father was heavenly father heavenly father was pleased and exalted you know and, and you know and it you know praised uh jesus at that point in time well lucifer his brother jesus brother got really angry at his other brother jesus and uh, and he led one third of all of our brothers and sisters away from God. He rebelled, and so what happened was, Heavenly Father kicked our brother Lucifer out of heaven, out of celestial heaven, and cursed him to earth and to hell, and said, "Because you have rebelled against me, you will never attain a physical body." So now our brother Lucifer and one third of all of our brothers and sisters have to roam the world, earth. Uh, eternity without ever having a physical body okay they're still spirits and the main goal of Lucifer the main goal of Satan the main goal of of our other brothers brothers and sisters who have denied God Heavenly Father is that they create pain evil hurt and suffering in the world and try to get us to turn against Heavenly Father understand and sometimes Jesus our brother wins but then you know what sometimes Satan our brother wins And so there's this cosmic battle between our two brothers, Jesus and Satan, fighting over us, fighting over the souls of the world. That's who Jesus is. Next, view of salvation. Christianity says, um, Bible says, and Christianity affirms Ephesians 2, but God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, Made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. That's a good word. I like that word. Let's all say that word together. The word grace. Ready? Grace. Grace is the understanding that because you could not get to God, God came to you. And he gave you something that you could never have earned or paid for or bought. Grace is something that is done for you with which you do not deserve. Truly, and the grace of God is that he sent Jesus Christ to make a way for us. It goes on, it says, And raised us up with him and seated us us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. And this is not your own doing. Sorry, and this is not your own doing. Just want to get that in there. It is the gift of God, not a result of works. Not a result of works, so that no one may boast. Let's summarize that verse. It's free. You had nothing to do with it. Take it and shut your mouth. That's basically what it is. Okay? Don't talk about how good you are. You're not good apart from God. You're dead. Nothing to do with us. Everything to do with God. I'm sure they have the same view. 2 Nephi 25, you're like, wait, oh man, I don't know my scripture that well. Yeah, it's not in there, okay? You're like, that's not coming up on my app. I, I went to N and it's not there, you know? It's not gonna be found there. It's, uh, it's not in our scripture, it's in theirs. And this is interesting because they would say they believe in grace as well. But they would say it's found here. 2 Nephi 25, it is by, and look at this now, it is by grace we are saved after all we can do. Notice that. It's by grace we are saved after all we can do. See, that's interesting. Some might actually say what we believe and what they believe on the issue of grace are polar opposites. Some may say that. Let me explain that. In Ephesians chapter 2, we see a God who came to us while we were still in our trespasses Unable to get to him. And so he sent grace to us. When we receive this grace, out of the the fullness of receiving it, we live our lives in obedience to God, to faithfulness. Here we see we work as hard as we can. And after we do everything that we can do, grace is given. See the difference? Okay. This is pulled directly from their website. Saving ordinances are those rituals that are requirement for exaltation. Pause real quick. If you want to be exalted to be a god, which who doesn't? Sorry, ladies. You're out. But guys, uh, men's club, um, god club, men, god club, I don't know. Anyway, if you want to be exalted to be a god, Um, There are a couple things that you have to do. If you want to be saved, really, there's a couple things that you need to do to enter into celestial heaven. And here we go. They're usually performed only once for each individual. However, if a person is excommunicated or removes his or her name from the church membership rolls, all saving ordinances are revoked. If the individual wishes to rejoin the church, he or she must receive certain saving ordinances. Again, uh, beginning with baptism, of course. Now, here we go. According to LDS theology, ordinances can be p- performed vicariously, i.e., post mortem. Be- Wait, hold on. Let's back up there. Uh, just rewind. According to LDS theology, ordinances can be performed vicariously, i.e., post mortem, on behalf of any person who would desire to accept the ordinance but did not receive it. Okay, pause. I think that that, that bears some explaining. Okay basically the understanding is you must be baptized to go to heaven, celestial heaven. However, you may be baptized for family and friends who are already dead. So if you have family or friends who did not come to Christ in this lifetime, don't fear, don't fret. Joseph Smith even had an older brother named Alvin who did not, who did not receive Christ in this life, but somebody then was baptized for him. So now he is in celestial heaven. Maybe even exalted. So if you have family members, your grandfather, your great-grandfather, your great-great-grandfather, whatever it is, maybe they never got a chance to hear about Jesus, maybe they just never believed in Mormonism, whatever it is, you can become baptized, uh, you can get baptized for them. And when you do this, an angel will be sent into hell, and it will witness to them, and it will draw them into then the celestial kingdom, and basically, really, I would say they owe you dinner, is really what I would say. Okay. They really kind of owe you a little bit there. Um, The following constitute the saving ordinances of the LDS Church. Baptism, confirmation, ordination to the Melchizedek priesthoods, endowment, marriage, and sealing. Some of these, uh, um, what this means, some of these things, they would have prophets or apostles um, or priests. They would lay their hands on your head and they would confirm you um, elsewhere. Other, Other things here have to do with you receiving the Holy Spirit. Okay. So this is how you attain salvation. Oh, yeah. Also, there's the... There's the baptismal um, where they, one of the things that they do there is actually, the only thing they do there is baptize people for people who have died. Don't let the 12 oxen throw you off. That just means the person who made it was from Grove City, okay? That's it. (laughs) Just kidding. It represents the 12 tribes of Israel. Um, Yep, let's keep going. (laughs) View of eternity view of eternity. We're kind of going to wrap up with this one, to be honest with you. Uh, We would affirm the same things here. Heaven hell, God's the final judge and jury. We have a conversation, a doorstep conversation, as I call it. I'm going to say, we believe the same things about eternity. Where are you going to go when you die? Well, I want to go to heaven. Well, we believe in heaven. We believe in hell. We believe that God is the final judge and jury. These are all true things, but let's prove them here scripturally. Uh, Luke chapter 13 says, and someone said to him, Lord, Will those who are saved be few? And he said to them, being Jesus, strive to enter through the narrow door. For many, I tell you, will seek to enter and will not be able to. When once the master of the house is given, has risen rather, and shut the door and you begin to stand outside and to knock at the door saying, Lord, open to us. Then he will answer you. I do not know where you come from. Then you will begin to say, we ate and drank in your presence and you taught in our streets. But he will say, I tell you, I do not know where you come from. Depart from me, all you workers of evil. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. What is Jesus describing here? He's describing hell. A place we don't like to talk about, but the reality is there are only two places to go when you die. According to Christian theology, uh, there is heaven or hell. Um, And the way that you get to heaven is, um, is by... Confessing that Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior. Okay, next. You were waiting for me to say something else, but there really isn't anything else, because it's that simple: believing in Jesus Christ, not being baptized, not how many times you show up to church, um, not not if you have some spiritual gift that's different from everybody else's, um, not if you've been baptized for your uncle who didn't know God. None of that. Do you believe in Jesus Christ? You believe Him to be the Messiah, God's Son, that God raised from the dead. Okay, well then you believe in Him. Scripture tells us that heaven is the place for you. If you reject Him, hell is where you will end up. You have turned to a Mormon. Everyone who dies will attain heaven, apart from the sons of perdition. Now, let me, let me explain this, okay, a little bit. I'm going to explain what the sons of perdition are in a minute. Um, but every, this should probably more rightly say everyone who dies should or can attain heaven, okay? Whether you're a Christian or not, whether you're a Mormon or not, um, really whether you're a good person or not, right? Um, and journey with me into space here. That took me eight hours, okay? Just there to there, okay? Just understand that. All right, good. <laughs> Now, this, this may not, you're, you're like saying, wow, where is this in space? I don't remember that gigantic planet next to the moon, okay? Understand that this is a Mormon view of eternity, okay? Maybe not this specific picture, but this understanding. This is a Mormon view of, of heaven and eternity, okay? There we go. We're going to explain these. We've got three different uh, kingdoms is what they would be called. Number one is the celestial kingdom, Number two, we over, ha- we over here, we have the terrestrial kingdom, and over here, you can't really read it that well, but we have the celestial kingdom, okay? And there's a fourth kingdom, I don't know if you can see that little uh, moon over there, the little black one, we're gonna talk about that one as well. But these are the three heavens, okay? And that's why I say, um, you will be saved when you die, most likely, okay? Now the first heaven, the first celestial kingdom, there are three different levels, in the celestial kingdom, but understand that the top level you is is you becoming God yourself. So you go to this planet, you get exalted by Heavenly Father, then you are given your own planet with your own kids and your own Heavenly Mother, and um, and you fill that. And there's also your own celestial and your own celestial your own terrestrial. There's a whole other dimension of exactly this that you have somewhere else along with millions of others. You got that? Good. All right. Good. Let's talk about the celestial kingdom. The glory of the celestial kingdom is compared with that of the sun. It is the highest degree of glory we can receive and is where God and Jesus Christ dwell. Those who receive this glory have accepted Christ as their Savior. Notice it doesn't say personal. Repented and received in remission of their sin through Christ's atonement, kept God's commandments, and received the saving ordinances such as baptism and the gift of the Holy Spirit. Keep in mind salvation for a Mormon is purely works-driven. Okay? Purely works-driven. This is why they go on mission. This is why they don't drink caffeine. This is why they wear undergarments that are blessed by priests that they wear every day that are called their holy undergarments that help to keep them reserved and chaste for their husbands and wives. And from an early age, they are commanded that they are to wear these, and it will aid in the sanctification process. Okay? Um, This is why they do those things. It's works-driven. But then on the other hand, it's not works-driven. Because as you'll see by the next kingdom, even if you don't do those things, you're going to get to heaven. Kind of takes like the oomph out of it a little bit, right? Do all this stuff to be saved. But if you don't want to, you'll be saved. All right, I don't think I'm going to wear my holy undergarments today. (laughs) The celestial kingdom itself is divided into three degrees to attain the highest degree. uh, To attain the highest degree and... And be an eternal family, one must receive the ordinance of marriage, called a sealing, which is performed in sacred temples. By the way, an eternal marriage done inside uh, Mormon tabernacles or temples is an eternal marriage, okay? You said a vow of till death do us part, right? They say a vow of we never depart, like marriage for eternity. And so <laughs> some of you dudes' faces, your jaws just dropped, right? <laughs> Because you're like, my wife knew it was a big deal that I did the whole, like, till death do us part thing. But this eternity thing. That's going to be another conversation in and of itself. Okay? Right? That's a long time. I mean, that, I think that is, is the long time, right? So, um, but not only that, but we also see that you'll be with your eternal family. Who's that? Your kids. Your wife and your kids. You'll be there in heaven with them forever. Next is the terrestrial kingdom. This is the second heaven. The second degree of glory, they would say this is a slightly lesser degree of glory. So it's not, it's not celestial heaven, but it's still heaven. It's just not the same amount of glory. It's a little bit less glory. The second degree of glory is the terrestrial kingdom, and its glory is compared with that of the moon. Those who inherit this kingdom of glory are they who were good people during life, but were blinded by the craftiness of men. See Doctrines and Covenants 76, 73. They are also those who died without law, who received not the testimony of Jesus in the flesh, but afterwards received it. Who's that? People who were baptized for after they were dead. Okay, They get to the terrestrial kingdom. Heaven. I, did I tell you that baptized people for dead people? Okay, next. These are they who receive of the presence of the Son, but not of the fullness of the Father. These are they who are not valiant in the testimony of Jesus. Wherefore, they obtain not the crown over the kingdom of our God. Basically, here it's saying that if you're just a good person, this is the heaven you go to. You reject Jesus, okay. You go to hell, fine. You don't believe in Mormonism, okay. You can still get to heaven. You will end up in the terrestrial kingdom. It's not going to be the best heaven, but it's going to be a good heaven. You know what I'm saying? It's not like you're driving a 2015 but it's more like you're driving a 2012. You know what I'm talking about? It's still a new car. It's still got good gas mileage. It's still going to get you where you need to go. And just for the record, it's not hell. All right, next. The next, celestial kingdom. This last kingdom is like the glory of the stars and is for those unrepentant sinners who did evil in life. They will suffer for their sins before inheriting the celestial kingdom. Oh, interesting. Um, They will be suffering, but then they'll also go to this kingdom. They'll be saved out of this. They are also those who receive not the gospel of Christ, neither the testimony of Jesus. These are they who deny the Holy Spirit. These are those who are thrust down to hell. These are they who shall not be redeemed from the devil until the last resurrection to the Lord. Even Christ the Lamb shall have finished his work. These are they who receive not his fullness in the eternal world, but the Holy Spirit. Just so you know, in studying celestial, terrestrial, celestial, there's not a lot of stuff about it okay there's just not a lot of doctrine behind it um so as i try to study it, as i look at it there's not good descriptions of each of these heavenly planes there's just not okay so it's very hard to to it's just like milking a tree you're not going to get too much okay it's just not very much there So that's the best i can give you and you're like well this kind of seems incomplete i'm with you lastly is this this place called outer darkness Outer darkness is the permanent location of those who are not redeemed by the atonement of Jesus Christ. In this sense, hell is permanent. It is for those who are found filthy still. Doctrines and Covenants 88.33-102. This is the place where Satan, his angels, and the sons of perdition. I told you I was going to tell you about who they were. Here it is. Who are the sons of perdition? Those who have denied the Son after the Father has revealed Him will dwell eternally. Doctrines and Covenants. Those who will deny Jesus after the Father has revealed him revealed him how as just the son of god no as heavenly father's son you understand the difference we would say jesus is the heavenly father is 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 the son of god the son you know god the father jesus is the son of god the father they would say here's heavenly father who had jesus christ which makes him his son you see the difference this is the truth revealed That's not the truth revealed. This is, if you reject Mormon truth, you will be in outer darkness. If you excommunicate and you fight against Mormon church, you will be in outer darkness. There is no coming back from outer darkness. doesn't matter how many of your cousins or sons or kids get baptized for you after you die. If you're in outer darkness, you're in outer darkness. You're dead, you're you're burnt up. You ain't coming back, you know what I'm saying? Um, This is not heaven. This is not a lesser degree of glory. This is hell in its truest sense. Um, Outer darkness is permanent. And um, you will be with our brother Satan and one-third of all of our other brothers and sisters who are separated from God. Does this make sense? You with me? Yeah? So understand the view of eternity is when you die, um, most likely you will go to heaven if you're a Mormon. Okay? Um, If not, there may be some some challenges there. If you've rejected Jesus, if you've outright rejected Mormonism and Jesus Christ in general, you definitely will um, go to outer darkness. So I guess when it comes down to it, when we talk about God, we really don't have the same understanding. When we talk about Jesus, we, wow, we really don't have the same understanding. We talk about scripture. um, While they would say all scripture is inspired, all scripture for them includes books that we don't include in scripture. So we don't really believe the same thing. When it comes to salvation, we would say Jesus Christ and his grace and his blood and any other word you want to fill in there that don't have to do with works, they would say, okay, we work hard and then grace. So we don't really agree there. And I definitely don't agree with the three planet kingdoms um, in Mormonism in eternity and outer darkness. So really, I guess the question is, uh, at the end of the day, do we both pretty much believe the same thing? Do we? No, not even close. Not even close.
0: Thank you for listening to this message from part four of our series, Synonym at Covenant Church. We hope you've been encouraged by what you've heard today. Visit us online at covenantchurch.us where you can invest in life change through giving or find more impactful sermon audio just like this.